This is a crusade. This is a holy war against the deep state. Where are the dictators? Where are the strong men? Donald Trump is our instrument for retribution. I'm going to fight for Christians. I'm going to fight for white people. They have the Great Reset. We have the Great Awakening. And why shouldn't I root for Russia? Because Which I am. I want to see these people go through misery because of their grooming against our children. After the assailant entered the home asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those are the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol. I did nothing wrong. Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space around us. I'm Griff Somke. And I'm Jay McKenzie. Luc Bernard is a French video game designer based in Los Angeles. He recently built the first Holocaust museum in the game Fortnite and was viciously attacked on Twitter by neo-Nazi Nick Fuentes and his fan base for this, which resulted in yet another Twitter ban for Nick Fuentes. We're lucky to have a chance to talk with Luke about this, as well as his other game, A Light in the Darkness, and the general state of Holocaust education in America. Stick around. Luke, thanks for joining us, and welcome to Did Nothing Wrong. Hi. <laughs> I'm Tabor Infos. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us about your background and some of the video games you've created over the years? Yeah, I mean, I can just say my recent background, I've been a video game director for close to two decades now, and I pretty much I created the first video game about the Holocaust, The Light in the Darkness, which launched earlier this year in around February, first on the Epic Game Store, then it came after to PS5, planned to launch on all the other systems, launched it for free, it's been highly effective, around 300,000 people have finished it from oh. all over the world. And then most recently, kind of making the first Holocaust Museum uh, within Fortnite. Okay, okay. And you said that you've released this on on all systems. It's available for download, this game? The Light Darkness only on PC and PS5 for now. It's soon coming out to PS4 and all the other systems. Okay, got an Xbox One. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I know that you're you're not taking any money for that, and you've, you've invested... Well, this, uh, from what I've read, everything. I'm insane. <laughs> <laughs> and you've spent, I think, more than a decade trying to make this game and, and get it out there. So that must have been quite the process. Well, yeah, I just uh, couldn't get any funding for it. So I just funded it myself. I did basically in the end. That simple. And uh, I know you've talked about wanting it to be something that schools can use and wanting people to know about the Holocaust and, and meeting the younger generation where they are. Have you had the reception you've hoped for? Yeah. I mean, schools are going to be using it. They are. Everyone coming to Holocaust space now um, even accepts video games. So there's this way, like even in regards to uh, politics. So no one to go into Israel, but pretty much um, Israel, no matter you agree, disagree. But even the Israeli Holocaust education ministry are like, this is kind of great. So Kind of when you have that, pretty much be like, this is great. You're kind of like, eh, shut up anyone else who says, says you can't do it. But even in the US, like they, um, all the big organizations, Holocaust ones, are uh, kind of 100% uh, behind this. They are now. Very cool. We've really changed the space we have. So let's talk a little bit about how we met on Twitter. It, was entirely by chance, but we happened to find some common cause fighting with Nick Fuentes and his groipers online. Twitter let Fuentes keep his ban evasion account up for four days, despite the policy on Twitter saying they don't allow ban evasion accounts. How were you personally able to force them to act on this? Well, so I didn't actually have any clue because I know Fuentes had posted about my working his Telegram a couple of days prior. I wasn't entirely aware where it's all coming from until like Jay and some other people like this is Fuentes, uh, pretty much this is his account. And then when also when his account kind of got locked for like 12 hours and he just posted on his Telegram and it was growing to up to 12,000. So the, the problem which I saw was, so Twitter wasn't aware of X. I'm just still going to quote Twitter. Yeah. They just weren't aware that they were. Right. And the problem was the organizations who are meant to be aware of these things were not even aware either, even if it was making international news. Like I was actually having friends in France just sending me 
like the TV and basically being like, why are you on TV fighting with Nazis? What the hell is going on, Luke? Like people from the countryside that have no clue even about the work I do. And they're just like, what have you done? And I was even on CNN Turkey. It was that bloody ridiculous uh, about the whole thing. I saw I saw a New York Times reporter reach out to you. I don't know if you got in contact with him. But yeah, yeah no, it really but was everywhere. Oh, yeah. New York Times even did ask. So it exploded everywhere. It did. And the problem was, no one was even reaching out to me or kind of doing anything. Uh, they weren't like even was making internet, international news. And so after, you know, kind of in which account it was, um, I was sent over to a buddy who works at an organization that's in Europe. That's still a trusted partner with Twitter. From what I know, I think, I think the ADL, they've been cut out of Twitter. I think, I don't know. Hmm. And, but pretty much within two hours after I sent him the account, banned, removed, uh, hmm. pretty much. But the consequences of this is that now governments are kind of hitting up Twitter with me in it, and they're like, how the fuck did you let this happen? How the fuck is this kind of happening, pretty much? Right. Which, to me, I'm very much like, I don't think governments need to get involved in this shit. I'm just more like, how the fuck did the ADL let this happen? It is is kind of my my response to it. And I'm actually really livid about this because they're making partnerships with organizations in Europe. They can't even fix a problem in the US. So kind of don't come over to Europe and try and pretend you can fix a problem when small organizations are managing to find the things, noticing everything, and taking care of it. I believe in what the ADL's work. I do. I just believe it's highly ineffective the level which they're operating at. And it's more words than kind of actions. And even when just the fact that no one's paying attention to his telegram, 800 employees, how can you, how? Yeah. And and even, even in the case of Fuentes pretty much managing to get banned earlier this year, or even last year, when I was checking out Fuentes' stream, and he's going to put basically Kanye West onto Aiden Ross's stream. Aiden Ross is also a dickhead. But um, pretty much I noticed that, and I hit up some people in the gaming space that happened to know his manager to kind of get that, that show cancelled. Again, second time, this is not okay. Right. This isn't. Yeah. And you're you're one person and and we're just watching Twitter and watching these spaces and happen to come across it. But like you said, the ADL has a lot of employees and a lot of people who They have a huge amount of employees. My publicist tried reaching out, still trying to reach out to the kind of Southern California branch. They will not respond. And <laughs> I think they won't respond because I pretty much called out Greenblatt, I did. And that's why I think, because um, even if you know, even as one thing, so Jewish Telegraph Agency did a piece on the museum. Greenblatt was like, this is fantastic, great. After I called him out, the next <laughs> statement with the New York Times is pretty much the video game industry needs to fix everything, otherwise this doesn't count. And I'm like, wow, okay, pretty much, like just because I called you out, and people noticed it, and you looked kind of like a fool, you're now being mad based on your kind of decisions. And to me, it's like, if Johnson Greenplay wants to declare himself king of the Jews, right, in America, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like being a president. Joe Biden, like the guy, I will fucking criticize him, like, for the Afghanistan. I criticize him. He's yeah. not, we're not meant to kind of bow down. Leaders are meant to accept all the criticism and kind of do better. They mm-hmm. are. So that's, that's really my problem. I'm seeing the ADL get turned into Johnson Greenblatt's kind of ego project. Like they're fantastic researchers again over there. They do fucking important work. But this kind of needs to stop because it, it's growing. Hate is growing in the US and it's under their watch that all these things are happening. Yeah, and I and I agree. I support Joe Biden too, but he's not above criticism. And, and that's part of what we see with, with MAGA and Trump that they have made him above any criticism. And that's when you get into a cult-like mentality, which is not okay. And it does lead to poor decisions and poor management and mistakes. So I agree. And a leader should be able to take criticism and, and deal with it. But I I did notice that with, with Fortnite, so you created the first Holocaust museum and a video game in Fortnite and the ADL still gave the game an F rating, which is their lowest rating. Worse than Twitter. Worse than Twitter, <laughs> so everyone knows, right? Fortnite yeah. is apparently worse than Twitter. 
apparently. How, how did they justify that? Well, so with Epic, um, I've I recently some dance with them. They guaranteed me I won't receive hate if I do talk to them. They take care of it. How can they make the platform better? They delivered. They did. And then with Fortnite, pretty much, they came in to actually help and be like, okay, the security settings need to be this way. Don't have voice chat. Don't have dances. Like, so now the museum, pretty much, everything which Nick Fuentes' as guys wanted to do, they can't do. So they've given up on it. Nice. They have. So it's become actually a safe space uh, for everyone it has. And so Epic really deeply care. They really do. And they actually they don't just talk about it. They do things. Because, again, the Fortnite Holocaust Museum, that's not usually allowed. Right. They just really did me a big one. They didn't. They believe in, in, in the cause. And I'm eternally grateful for them for that. But so why the ADL kind of rated them an F? And that was something which I publicly disagreed with before earlier this year. Is because the ADL found usernames inside Fortnite basically looking up on a public website usernames they found a couple was hollow hoax very much kind of usernames like that right U- usernames which most of the game industry isn't aware of they're just like they have no clue you know it's kind of like mean kind of nazi memes and pretty much there's no way to report it within 24 hours there's also no holocaust denial policy within their hate thing very much anti-hate uh you know speech things and so they rated an F based on that. They took the same thing as social media platforms, like Facebook, Twitter, and applied it to a video game. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why you actually can't do that very much is, so Fortnite, they came back and they're like, listen, our, these accounts have been inactive for three years. They have are bad, but it's not a problem like what you're trying to say. We have a policy of anti-hate, all those things. Why Fortnite can't, I can't talk for them very much, but why there shouldn't be, you know, I call up now policy was in Fortnite because after everyone will start asking, what about Armenian genocide? What about this? And Fortnite isn't a social media platform. It's not text. It isn't. Right. So then you invite all the trolls to come in and can do all this hateful stuff. You don't have people literally yelling Hitler was in Fortnite. You don't. But also another thing. So they're asking Fortnite to police their users, right? How can Fortnite police the users of the PlayStation and Xbox? Xbox con- controls the PlayStation users. PlayStation does. They're doing all the vocal things, all those things via those consoles. So basically blaming Epic for the entire thing is counterproductive and just utterly insane to rate them at the same level as Twitter. It's not a social media platform. Even when people play 100 players at a time, you're, it's all live. It is how do you say, for example, imagine you wanted to kind of find a way. Microsoft has come up with a new thing where they're giving an eight-strike rule pretty much before they ban completely a user's account. That's what Microsoft is doing. That helps Epic because mm-hmm. the users that come from Xbox. But for Epic itself, so let's say imagine that you wanted to use AI, right? You're Okay, we're going to use AI to kind of uh, police hate speech within the game because you can't have millions of players at a time. It's very hard right, yeah. to, to control all of that. Then what happens is some people are joking. I'm just saying joking around between friends, right? Uh, pretty much a bunch of Jewish people. You know, they're like, hey, Jew, this kind of thing. I'm the Jew gun, whatever it is. Boom, blocked it. Because it's the AI. You can't use it. And that. fuck. Right. It just got fucking banned. It just creates a whole big, another problem. But Epic does really deeply care. And they actually are doing the work. Fortnite is an incredibly inclusive environment, LGBTQ diversity, all those things. They do the work. Like Fortnite, you have, for example, articles outside Minecraft, Roblox, there's Nazis building stuff in it. In Fortnite, it's a Holocaust museum. Come on, guys. There's a big fucking difference. Just because Fortnite does not want to adhere to your rules because you want to make them implement those rules so you can fundraise more pretty much and claim you're changing things doesn't mean you give them an F. If anything, you don't maybe agree with something, maybe per C, maybe a sure. B. But the F is really when they straight up declared war on Fortnite pretty much. And that was just, it was kind of like, how can you take them seriously in the gaming industry kind of after that? <laughs> no, but really, because even... The Epic Game Store, it has the same usernames as the Fortnite ones, had no issues with the Lightning Dance. We have close to 300,000 people have finished it. I never received any hate from the video game right. or from the Fortnite Museum. I received the hate from Twitter. Mm-hmm. I did. And is there room for video games to improve? 
absolutely. But video game developers need to be sent the list of usernames. You need sent things like that. Something which I advocated publicly with the the gamer, which is a gaming website, which I explained. They they only stop putting these apps in. Instead, go to companies and be like, "We're going to help you." Yeah. What can we do to help you? Very much. Instead of rating these whole things, if you don't do as we say, and that's why pretty much, I mean, they've destroyed their reputation within the gaming industry. And it need and there's great people that work there. That's the same. There's great people within the gaming department there. Right. Is. But this whole aggressive approach, again, just thinking you're a politician, this and that, because we remember the gaming industry. We remember the Clinton years. We remember mm-hmm. the whole thing. You know, video games are causing mass shootings. We've been through this whole thing before. Right. We're just, we're, we're, we're over it when we push people away, but we are committed to trying to do things as much as possible. And there's so much room to grow. We have to work with us, not against us. Yeah. And I, and I think you, you really have touched on it there, but it is maybe worth pointing out to people who don't know how creative these young guys who want to spread anti-Semitism get in these video games. They, they find really creative ways to cheat the system and, and cheat all the filters and everything that, that would otherwise catch them. So it, their tactics are kind of constantly evolving and they have clicks and they, they create these words that they all understand what it means, but maybe the people who work there don't, which is why someone like you or someone who's really read up on this is, is necessary and helpful, mm-hmm. but it feels like that's not getting enough attention, funding, that's what I'm trying to push. I tried pushing this originally with the ADL earlier this year. They instead sent me a very rude email back calling me a cold caller. So I kind of abandoned <laughs> that. Once the gamer interview came out, they reached out to me a couple of months after. I started saying sending gaming companies to them. I did very much because I was like, listen, you have the resources, you have all these things. I don't. I'm one bloody guy. Yeah. So I think that has gone well, that has, but I think pretty much the recent war was holding Fortnite. I just, I cannot, again, I love the gaming uh, part of the ADL, but after Johnson's aggressiveness uh, towards the gaming industry, I'm just publicly telling people we cannot work with them anymore. We pretty much until, as long as Johnson is in charge, pretty much, we just, we, we, we cannot. Because he will just do things and put the whole industry on blast for ego reasons, very much, rather than just take a step back. Like, uh, that's what I mean. It's even, I think the gaming department should be talking. I think the gaming department should be commenting on games. I don't think it should just be one person commenting on every single thing. He shouldn't even be commenting on things in regards to the Holocaust. When one guy basically likes to compare Elon Musk to Henry Ford, but in a positive way like he did, right? Yeah, right. Not being aware of Henry Ford, <laughs> I think that disqualifies you. He doesn't know. And when he pretty much, again, said Holocaust education can't be used in video games, great, Johnson, you're telling me pretty much you know more than this very head of Holocaust education? Bravo, Johnson. So after that, I'm just like, he needs to get the hell out of Holocaust education in video games pretty much. And just let his gaming department handle it. I want nothing to do with him. Right. I do pretty much. And I and a lot of us. So it's and also the meetings which which I'm taking from people. People are just like coming to me and they're like, we need an alternative. We do. We we've you, what you've managed to what they're telling me is you've managed to actually crack the thing with Holocaust education, appealing to young people, this and that. And the way what Johnson did pretty much and how they just let you out to the walls alone. This needs to change very much. So that's the thing. But a lot of people are concerned within the space because he will, he's very vengeful and he will try pretty much to block things, things like that. And that's not okay. And again, that's not the idea. That's him personally. Right. That's, that's why there's so many articles. Like even yesterday, I think there was another article that came out, you know, leftists at the ADL who are just like, what is he doing? <laughs> pretty yeah. Much. So. Just kind of as a little follow-up to that, it seems that if there was something that's been proven to be pretty effective and a way to explain what happened, the horrible events of the Holocaust, to a group that hasn't necessarily quite grasped at the younger generation, and this is effective and this is working, do you think he's, I mean, just he doesn't understand the whole concept and that's what this is, or... 
He went from praising it was in the Jewish Telegraph Agency to just straight up shitting on it, just because I called him out. He just has a personal vendetta which needs to stop, and that's why I'm okay being so public kind of back at it. Because, again, I disagree with some things like in the Holocaust space. I think some things are ineffective, uh, I do. But what do I know? Do, do, Do I have the whole knowledge of everything? I'm doing something different. That's, that's why I'm talking to every group I am, even ones which I may disagree as how Holocaust education is done, because no one has 100% answer on this thing. And when we're seeing pretty much, you know, survey after survey, Holocaust education going down, anti-Semitism going up, it's not working. The mm-hmm. thing shouldn't be, let's ask for more money, let's pass more laws, because if that was the case, someone needs to explain Florida to me. Because Holocaust education is mandatory, and so I need to fucking explain Florida to me. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, you're you're right. They're getting more funding, but it keeps going up. The numbers keep getting worse. Yeah, just across the country, across the world, um, all these social media platforms. That that that's actually kind of you brought up a great point because apart from Outswitch, right? Outswitch account whether you like they delved into it, they did. It's effective. It works. It does. Everyone should have been in this space when it started. Mm-hmm. It's an utter failure that it was no, not enough people in this space. So even say, for example, on TikTok, I know Holocaust survivors. They're running their TikTok. They are pretty much, and they're like 90. Some of them are having to ask for money for their teeth. Yeah. They have millions of followers. They do millions of views. They're having to set up GoFundMe to get new teeth. I am... Appalled at how we've, you know, not giving Holocaust survivors the support very much, or educating, no matter if they get some facts wrong for some time, they're fucking old. Yeah. But the fact that we're not giving them enough support when they're actually reaching millions upon millions of people, when I saw like one of the numbers of one um, survivor which they sent to me, I was like, man, if you were like an influencer, you would be a fucking millionaire by now. But because they're Holocaust survivors, what are they going to do? Ads for like bikinis? You know, you, they can't do those things. Um, right, right. So thankfully, they're like getting book deals or those things, but they've literally just been begging organizations, beg, please help us. Please fucking help us. And that's why just I have such an issue with the way everything is, is, is ran, just being ineffective. Social media, we should have been in this space, but we weren't, and we let it take over. And now we're kind of so fucked we are. Video games were at the moment pretty much where I kind of had no choice. It had to be done. So that's a come. It has opened up everything. We're now suddenly it's opened up funding for game developers able to make Holocaust video games, all those things. So I opened that up. Because it's not just for me, it's for everyone it is to be able to do these things. But thankfully, I did that, made thing that happen. And that's why, again, I have Green Block where I'm like, get the hell out of my way because you want to go against video games. You want to go against awareness of the Holocaust. Your danger, your danger pretty much straight up right. to Holocaust education. And I don't care about saying it at this point because also when he makes over a million dollars a year, when a third of Holocaust survivors are in poverty, just shut the fuck up, because that's also another thing. So I'm just coming into a space where I saw basically the problem. Not enough people have access to it, pretty much. Young people don't care about websites. They don't. Yeah. And again, the shameful thing that a third of U.S. Holocaust survivors live in poverty. And that the stories which I've heard at some organizations and museums from educators where you'll have the CEO come up and just be like, we can't pay you anymore. Meanwhile, he's making over a million dollars a year. The Holocaust Society still accepts to do it because he believes that needs to be done. You know, it's kind of, uh, how can I say? It's it's shameful. A lot of things need to be reformed, uh, pretty much. And enough of people making so much money and being ineffective. Let's get people that care and i do think a lot of young people do care they do yeah it kind of reminds me of a problem that we have in the u.s where it's it's really easy to say support the troops or it's veterans day it's memorial day people tweet out the flag and it's it's easy to have the platitudes and say the right things but doing the real work being down and and actually helping people is another story 
Yeah, and I, I just want very much just to push everyone towards that because it is it is utterly bonkers that someone like me pretty much um, managing to transform the space alone. That's... Yeah. I, yeah. I, and I don't think I'm great. I don't think I'm exceptional. I don't think I'm a genius. I don't think anything. I'm just more like, how can this happen? Or how... Um, how how can we deliver in three weeks what the ADL plans in three years? This is not okay. So that's that's pretty much kind of where I'm coming from. And and that's why for the school systems, those things, I'm like working with local uh, groups. I will not work with a big national organization because they just be taking our numbers to fundraise off it and not delivering it effectively compared to, again, the local organizations, which are grassroots level actually doing the work. So... You stress the importance of learning, you know, the personal stories about the people who were killed in the Holocaust. Can you kind of break down a little bit of how the game works? Maybe we can get an idea of why this worked in a space when a lot of other things didn't. So The Rise and Darkness is more like an interactive film, right. an interactive animated film. It's an hour. We actually spend an hour with the life of these, this Jewish family in France and their friend who's a Sephardic Jew. So I don't just show kind of bad parts. I kind of show their life before. Those things, you get attached to the characters. So when right. the characters actually die, it triggers an emotional reaction from people at the end. They talk about kind of issues after that. It really moves them, it does. And it makes them kind of realize also the impact of it. And then pretty much when they see other parts of the Holocaust, they humanize the victims. Because another issue is when museums just show photos, but we don't know their stories, who they are. The issue when they died, who are these people? It doesn't resonate. It doesn't work. It doesn't. And that's why the whole approach of kind of leaving first with the six million rather than the individual stories is kind of not effective education because it just becomes just a number and people just become kind of like, it's too much, it is. And again, it comes down to a point. We're not humanizing the victims. We're not... They were just normal people. Right. That just, as a Europeans, they just were led to slaughter, just murdered. And the Nazis succeeded. That's one thing which I have a different view where Jewish life has been wiped out of Europe. It's just a fact. It's just present. You can see it. I think in America, they don't realize that. I think. I think people in charge don't realize that because they're so used to, there's all Jews in America. So it's so used to. All those things. That's why I think in Europe, even the way Holocaust education is done, awareness is very different. It is. There's a lot more importance placed on it. And that's why we also have hate speech laws, because we don't want that same shit to happen. Right. Because the whole thing was a America, because they also don't understand the difference between free speech and hate speech. You know how they're always like, I just said the N-word and they took away my job. And it's like, they took away your job because you're a dickhead. Yeah. It's not because you if we speak, you're allowed to say that, but people are allowed to be like, I want to work with this guy. Yeah, exactly. So that's what Americans have not understood they haven't. And I think it's even kind of hilarious when sometimes I talk to some conservative Jews and they're like, no, free speech is going to solve this. I'm like, it didn't in Europe. It did not Mm-mm. help one bit. It didn't because it just rises, get, gets continued up, becomes normalized, it mm-hmm. does. And that's kind of what we're looking in America, the normalization of... Um, hate speech and the normalization of hateful people because again all these platforms are just they're not free speech platforms they actually just hate speech platforms people again free speech is the ability to be like fuck you government i don't fucking agree with you biden you know yeah and not get jailed it's not about going out and saying the n-word <laughs> it's not right. no no definitely so Something I wanted to, to ask you about and, and just clarify is whether it's through ignorance or prejudice, you're always going to come across people who say, well, the anti-Semitism isn't that bad or the the stats are they're misleading. People are, are lying about this or they just say it doesn't really matter. Can you just explain to people why it matters? Well, so... I would say it's because really, I mean, we see like Tree of Life shooting, we see pretty much also like the Buffalo uh, shooting. The guy had anti-Semitic beliefs. We see like the recent uh, woman that got shot in California with a five flag, he had anti-Semitic beliefs. So the whole thing is anti-Semitism is believing, you know, Jews control everything pretty much. Right. Well, every, everything they don't like, pretty much anything, it's like the Jews control it. You can see it on the far left, on the far right, it's always like, it's the Jews. 
it is. But that kind of bleeds out into, you know, danger for other groups, basically, too. And that's why I think pretty much when you're fighting anti-hate, pretty much, you know, bigotry, you always you do have to include in anti-Semitism because it's kind of the root of a lot of causes. It is pretty much. So it's it's insane because that's the whole thing. Because even when I was getting like Fuentes supporters all after me, they're like, JDL is behind this. I'm like, no, I, I cannot stand Green Block. Like, <laughs> I, I wish the ADL controlled as much as you think it does. It doesn't. Right. So that's the thing, actually, being behind the scenes, you realize how bad everything is ran and how and how I'd really love instead it'd be like, maybe bring the Nazis on tour and be like, hey, you actually want to see how everything's run? Yeah, it's a disaster. <laughs> Do you still believe it, uh, pretty much? Because... You know, because even people like the Zionist occupied government, all those things, Israel can't even fucking function without a year or two, like intellect and you. It's, it's a, everything's a disaster. <laughs> it is, and that's kind of where. But you know, people always have their conspiracies, all those things. It's just, it's just human nature. It's just at this point in America, it's at the boiling point. It's at the boiling mm. point where pretty much even people I know from the far right, because again, at the times like you have to talk to everyone, you have to really know what the fuck is going on. Even people's in the Rumble platform are kind of privately telling me they're like, it's bad. There's mm. going to be a shooting any moment. It's fucking bad. This is like a cult-like thing, Zerka, all those people. They're kind of like, this is fucking bad, Zerka and all, and all that crew. Yeah. Quintas lovers. And when you have the far right, just be like, guys, we're in some shit right now. It needs to be taken even more seriously. So that's that's really why what, what is just so even fascinating. And I think even the far right has kind of been like, it's really bad, pretty much. That's the situation we're kind of in in America. That's why I think I, I don't like to be like, no, in the next few years, it's going to be like this. And then it's going to be course of a decade. That, that kind of thing is going to take time. But if we don't reduce it now, we could look pretty much people elected within our government who could be full-on Nick Fuentes supporters or like him. And right. I think it will happen in the next decade or two. Like, absolutely. Because all these young people, these groipers, they're, they're spreading. It's becoming more and more and more. But also, our politicians are not effective because kind of these uh, people like have lower income, all those kinds of things, they're disenfranchised and they're being part of these groups. But we're not even approaching them with empathy, which is a weird thing to say, pretty much. Approach Nazi sympathizers with empathy because we kind of have to get them out of it. We do. Right. And that's why I do like Bernie Sanders' message in general, because Bernie Sanders just like, it's the economy. And I'm like, yes, it is the economy. It's a socioeconomic kind of thing, which is a big problem in America, which is causing growing hate, mm-hmm. which is causing all these issues and racism <clears throat> and, and a lack of opportunity for people. So that's why even politicians just talk about oh i'm you know we're going to help do more i'm like you guys are from the cities you're actually not doing anything you are right so i think it's a combination even on the left pretty much because even on the left why trump voters went to trump is because the left decided to demonize these rural people and trump just came and he's like i will work for you i do this and all that so of course they're like yes 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 and that's why i think it's actually a failure on the left too on 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 our politicians like again that's why I like Bernie we should have been need more people like Bernie who can actually be like I will also fight for you too like it's a man not just people inside cities I mean you can even see on the campaign trail you know when Hillary did her whole campaign she just missed all the rural areas right. <laughs> she did I think people are so out of touch with the average American I do and I think because I grew up in poverty in France. I didn't have access, I got kicked out of all schools, didn't have access to anything. I know what it's like, very much, to be poor. And that's a problem. Our leaders make too much money. They're not working class. They don't understand how most people in America feel. I mean, even if you look at it, the stats of 80% of people haven't been to Holocaust Museum. It's not their fault. Why the fuck did it take a museum in Fortnite for them to be able to access it? Yes. fucking insane 80% but that just shows how much people in education I don't just mean the holocaust space it's mean education period we put everything on the cities and we just kind of like fuck you to the rest of America and that creates the situation which we're in 
getting people to fight the race war and the culture war so they don't notice that they might want to start looking at the class war. It's definitely a thing. And one thing that we've covered kind of extensively in the last while, and it seems like we hear about another one of these every single week, that there's a trend now with a lot of congressional staffers being outed as Nick Fuentes acolytes. Like almost once a week, a story comes out about, oh, yeah. this staffer is a groiper, actually. So what you're saying about, you know, 10 years down the line, we're going to have gripers elected as politicians. I would almost say, I think it's going to be sooner than that because at least some of these people are getting their feet wet in that level as we speak. So I hear what you're saying about the empathy. You're never going to get these people out of this space without a certain level of understanding where they're coming from. And, you know, again, we've had people like Matson and Tony Browning who dealt with, you know, Nazi skinheads through Arizona, through the nineties and the OOs and tried to get people out of that when they could. And just the idea of coming to these people where they are and saying, Hey, there's a better way. Yeah. That, that was the thing. I talked to one of the Nazis that went after me. He was kind of like, another golf looking guy very right. much. And I quite liked his Twitter feed. His Twitter feed was all the kind of shit I like. Um, right. Fo, all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. seemed like we had so much things in common. So I decided to start talking with him. I did just to be like, mate, we have so much stuff in common. What, why do you hate me? Or why do you hate Jews? And he was very calm in explaining back where it's like, I'm disenfranchised pretty much. Everyone keeps on saying that us in the rural area that we're shit. And I discovered national socialism and I saw it as the way out for us. And I I actually don't want you to die. I just want you to go back to Israel pretty much. Well, I was like, okay, well, at least you don't want me to die. It's one thing you just want to deport me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's one kind of progress uh, there. But he he just he's a lonely guy who just felt abandoned and for some reason because we had so many things in common with him i felt bad i actually cried i was like this guy in another life could maybe be my friend had he ever talked to a jewish person before i don't know i know actually oh yes 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 he did tell me that okay. he did and he had a bad experience and i was kind of like people and individuals they are uh-huh. like you can't decide to treat an entire group based on individuals like i i gave one example so i pretty much inside france i like hung out with all the Arab kids uh, I did pretty much. And even my father, since we have like ethnic Moroccan origins too on the, on the French side, he pretty much like all the restaurants which he had, it was like kind of like Moroccans pretty much even super French places. And um, there's this thing where pretty much, you know, a lot of people believe uh, a lot of Arab countries, super anti-Semitic, those kind of things. But I, I experienced something different, but also probably because of how open I am, you know, kind of all those things. So that's a weird thing where I I think pretty much I just like treat people as individuals. I do pretty much every time. Right. But I think we, we just group everyone together kind of every time. I think there should be a way out for these people because if we don't give them a way out, they will be getting worse. It sounds weird, but the only kind of saving they do because it, I do believe if someone's a Nazi and it didn't cause any physical harm, right? Because physical harm, fuck you, go to jail. Yeah. It didn't cause any physical harm. I'm like, I try and get them out. I want them to come out. I mean, I even, this is insane. I even talk, because again, I talked to an ex-friend of Fuentes I did. And I was pretty much, man, please, if, if Fuentes can just get out, disavow everything pretty much. If he wants to remain a Christian and be into God, go ahead. But if he could fucking do it, some people might be wanting to help him pretty much come out. I know he's done so much damage, but it's like, I want to try and get people out of this thing, pretty much, rather than push them more towards the extreme. And I know it's 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 an insane thing. And that's why The Light and Darkness, like, told people, I hope Nazis play it. I hope they actually have empathy. I hope we can manage to just get these people out. And that's why I think I approach things a bit more differently. It's, it's a weird thing. I just view things with empathy i do but again if someone commits violent acts i'm like but again if i don't think fuentes will ever get out but if someone could get fuentes out could fucking reduce all this shit we could but yeah definitely he's too hateful he is but if one day he has an epiphany 
it, it would reduce a lot of shit. It would. Yeah, well, I think I think your strategy though is is the difference between winning, beating them, and actually making a difference and making the world better. And I don't think it's wrong to hope, and I don't think it's wrong to try. Yeah, because because I remember I've watched like vice documentaries, things like that. Like people used to be Nazis, and now t- tattooers pretty mm-hmm. much helped them get all their Nazi tattoos covered up. I'm like, and even this uh, black. Um, this black social worker who made friends with someone who she got out of being a Nazi. And I'm like, I think, I think that's a beautiful thing. And I really think we need to give a path for these people to come back because if they don't have a path, they will continue in it. Yeah. we. That's, that's the main big problem. And that's why I think it's even insane that there's a film as popular as American history X. Again, no one kind of got the message pretty much. No one seemed to have understood it, how it was like, because they also showed how much hate hate destroyed. It destroyed him, destroyed yeah. his family. It did, but how his path towards actually becoming a better person. And I do think he should have how stayed in jail. I do yeah. pretty much not being released. They did kill someone, right? So that's all other thing. But as long as no one's committed acts of violence, I think we should help them get out. Because that's the problem. That's their only community. Two of these people. Yeah, that's their community. They're scared to leave their. It's like cults. It is. They're scared to leave their community. So it's, it's you know, so they don't have anyone, and that's why I even think in terms of uh, cancellations, all those things. I'm more of the method of like talking to. It's it's almost like fuck you. I'm still a bigot. Then okay, fuck you. So, so send the mob after them, pretty much. But if it's like I fucked up, didn't realize why I fucked up. Just give them a path out. Help people become better because there isn't um. The reality is none of us are perfect. We aren't very much. And just again, I just look at humans on an individual level, depending on what's happened to them. They might have certain views, might have this and that. But it's again, it's trying to bring people out. Maybe I have this kind of different philosophy because I'm not from America. I've lived in so many different cities. I have so many different cultures. And I just like people. Right. And I do like different cultures, all those things. And maybe Again, it's people are disenfranchised and they see Nick Fuentes as their leader. They see him as the way out. They see him as that kind of thing. And just telling them, you can't be a bigger, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't. Agreed. You have to come to them a little more where they are and understand, like, how did they end up in this stuff in the first place? If you really want to get someone out of it, I think you have to say, okay, so why are you in it? Because everybody's kind of different. Everybody's got their own sort of path that they took to get to that point. And I think it really is from what I've noticed, a big socioeconomic thing. Yeah. It is. And, and that's why, you know, if I was had Johnson Greenblatt's uh, salary, you know, yeah. I would pretty much, what I would do is actually try and get these people out very much. Like actually try meeting them, try and get them into creating things, like say, for example, like try and find like kind of other outlets, like, because these people, I mean, if you look at the Holocaust, right, people turned that way. Society, Europe turned that way. And I do not forgive Europe for that. I, I don't. I will never forgive Nazi Germany. At the same time, like, for example, the current Germans now, I'm not going to hate on them. It's not their fault. This isn't, you know, what their ancestors did. And, you know, Germany showed the country itself. It does have problems now again, fucking hell. But for a couple of years, they, they showed you can have a way out very much in acknowledging your past and actually doing the right thing. So you just need to give people a way out. It's kind of the same thing. If you just can't bang because even in France, what was interesting in France after world war two, French government was like, yeah, we know we did the Holocaust. Oops. We're not going to admit it though. Cause we're French. But then they decide to put, put in loads of anti-Semitic programs, and then they decide to create this whole fake thing about France were the resistance, all of us were the resistance. The reason why they did that was to basically push the French people and be like, you don't want to be a Nazi and fascist, you need to be a part of the resistance, you need to be proud, be French, fought the Nazis, you don't like anti-Semites. They did that thing to kind of push France towards that kind of way, right. which is not great because they were denying shit until the 90s when they admitted it finally. But I understand, I understood that kind of method to kind of do kind of those things. See, even if you made it, how can I say, less cool to be a Nazi, if you made it more cool to be 
an anti-Nazi, because that's also the problem which we're facing in America, is that it's quite cool to be a Nazi, it is. That's nothing with young people. And then also, Nick Fuentes, he's funny. Oh, that's yeah. That's problem. You know, he's, he's kind of funny. He has charisma. And that's the problem. I'd say the people fighting him, right? I'm going to talk shit about him again. Johnson Greenblatt has as much charisma as a wet towel he does. Like, it's kind of hard to kind of fight this little dick pretty much. Fuentes, you know, with suits. Yeah. He knows his audience, I think, a lot better than like a Jonathan Greenblatt does. He knows how to talk to that generation because that's where he's from. I mean, he grew up playing Minecraft. He grew up with the same cultural signifiers that all of these kids has. He can, he can speak in their language where a guy like, I don't know how old Jonathan Greenblatt is, but he's older than Fuentes. And he doesn't seem like he's up on any of these references. He doesn't know how to talk to these kind of people. And you're seeing the results. Well, I think that's why pretty much the Fortnite Museum is where he kind of lost his mind, uh, Fuentes, where he was very much like, this yeah. guy's actually coming into my fucking turf now. Yeah. So that's why I think Kaysen kind of exploded. And I think, in a way, it's kind of a positive thing because it's like, I think we can actually reduce this. I do. I really think we're coming into Nick Fuentes' turf. We are with... Uh, better tools because you know he could never build like a groper exhibit was in Fortnite, you know nope. so we're kind of coming in with these things and we're kind of going to his terrain the, the yeah. gamer the, all those kind of things we're like and we're actually making it interesting and so because even if you look at gamergate gamergate changed everything it did and a lot of and hate groups don't realize gamergate was the start of all these things and because the gaming industry we let it happen we did it's kind of on us to help fix things now which you know we're trying to do but that's again the problem organizations don't even realize the impact of gamergate how it just it's a whole culture of everything now i mean it's why everything's kind of gone so crazy <laughs> yeah definitely and it really kind of sounds like it shook him i mean fuentes when he realized that, hey, they've kind of gone around me and they've built a Holocaust museum in what is traditionally my turf. This is my world. And all of a sudden, they've put up a flag right here and said, ha ha, guess what? We're going to talk to these people about it where you live. And I mean, from what I saw, maybe you had a different impression. It definitely looked like at least part of the vitriol that was directed at you specifically was because, oh my God, this guy knows how to talk to the kids that I'm trying to talk to. We, yeah, yeah, that that was the thing because funny enough, once I got Fuentes' account banned, right, and then it was another account banned, pretty much. And then what was going on? A lot of the groupers started blocking me everywhere. And then one account that put me on twenty outs, which popped back up again, like, haha, I'm up, fuck this guy. They blocked me, but now, you know, someone sent it to me. And I was like banned again. So then the groupers <laughs> kind of just backed off because they yeah. were like, this guy kind of you know, is actually coming in and actually now taking care of our accounts. But the thing is, too, I know a lot more, even things which haven't revealed publicly about people pretty much behind this stuff. Like, you know, some things where I'm like, I know too much information <laughs> and that's why I'm not going public with it pretty much because I'm like, I don't want to, because I think that's too much information, but... It's the, again, it's just kind of insane because it's a lot of people who are just activists come on Twitter, all those things, find all the things, sending to me and just being like this and that. And that's why, again, I think it's insane that the big organizations can't operate like that because that's how you get, that's how you get shit done. Yeah. Because again, removing him off Twitter made a lot of difference. It did to me personally. Once he was removed, started dying down, dying down, dying down, and just, them being scared that their accounts will get this or, you know, people, because there was even like some some other Twitter accounts, they came in too and they're like, we're going to fucking dox you if you continue. So it's send them kind of back to their caves. It yeah. did. And that's like, I'm kind of, I'm honestly ready again if they come back pretty much because now I do have access directly to Twitter, uh, people at work there. But again, we have to remain within Elon Musk's stupid rules right. very much. So it's like, I don't need to receive a death threat or someone needs to be like, from a banned account. So that's the thing. It is possible and it is possible to scare them back into their stupid websites. 
Yeah, the the online ghetto. I mean, yeah. they just send them back to the the website that you really have to look for to go find. You can't kick them off the internet, but if it's if it's hard to get there, then mm-hmm. well, that's going to decrease their audience and their platform, and that's that's the goal. I think that's also been another problem. I mean, you guys know about the Graham Defense League, right? Oh yes. So the Graham Defense League, they're honestly, it's a bunch of white supremacists, but. Every time we keep on giving them publicity, they keep on like news, this, that. We're making them appear bigger than what they are, and we're actually growing them. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. We're actually growing them. Because people are quite anti-Semitic. That, oh, who's that group? Okay, Grim Defense League. Oh, cool. Donate, donate, donate. And again, just, just posting their videos, which they want people to see, all those things. Well, again, they need to be sent back into ignorance. Yeah. So, so that's... That's another problem. People can't stop uh, taking the bait. It's like they see a banner. They see five guys on a bridge somewhere holding a banner. And all of a sudden that's national news in this country that five guys did a banner drop. And, you know, they went outside of Disneyland and they held up some offensive signs. And the next thing you know, they're on every TV station. It's like, congratulations. You just put their website address on national TV. And now anybody who wants to know about it can just go right to it and find it. Yeah, because it's the same thing. Because in LA, I remember, because I do watch their streams and pretty much when they were in LA with their van, like right. they were kind of scared because the moment pretty much people saw them, they're like, we're going to fucking beat you up kind oh, of yeah. thing. And on the bridge, pretty much people going up to them, Latino people going up to them, be like, I'm going to fuck you up. Mm-hmm. So it's just, again, we're just showing kind of them as singers too. We're portraying them as powerful, as threatening when if, in fact, they're a bunch of fucking pussies. Yeah. Cause even, even if you look at what Nathan Levy did when, you know, the UFC fight, you guys both mm-hmm. saw that, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Invite a bunch of them trolls. He fucking beat them up. Yeah. Just, just do that kind of stuff. That's all these people deserve. They don't deserve national spotlight. They don't deserve to be viewed as bigger than this. They need to be viewed as basically just losers. And it's what they are because the moment we're making them more and more powerful, more and more fucking famous, people want to be more like them, more infamous. Oh, yeah. And, you know, kind of shoot up things, even the way we kind of worship mass shooters here, where it's like, let's do a six part documentary on someone who ate people. That seems like a great idea. <laughs> so it's, we're making these people want to be famous. Right. And even when I was seeing when the Frentist people attacking me, I was seeing like pictures of these incels that had actually shot up people. Right? I've got the name, but famous ones. Pass our profile pictures. We're creating this whole fame thing. And again, we need to be dealing with this hate. We do. We need to be dealing with this shit privately and taking care of it behind the scenes, pretty much. Like, again, how Frentist was able to get taken care of. And that's mm-hmm. kind of mentioned people who helped me. And they don't even want the credit. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to stop being on TV, giving these people more publicity. Right. If we're going to show a video of Nick Fuentes, let's show the video of him crying after he got his last Twitter account banned and complaining about how he can't stand being without Twitter and Twitter is better than real life. And damn it, give me my account back. Show that again. And then explain every time you come out, buddy, every time you pop up with another ban account, we're going to get you again. Bam. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> That, that's that's all that's all it is mm-hmm. but i do think again it's because people in leadership positions don't understand it pretty much i mean at this point again if, if i had the money of the ADL, i'd be like hey nathan levy you want you want budget towards beating uh-huh. up nazis I, I, i'll pay for all the police fines you're going to get pretty much <laughs> just go oh you want to fight nick fuentes great okay <laughs> like it would just be it would be ridiculous but it's effective because these small little pieces of shit we're kind of placing them as these grand scary things we are and what is what what's giving them power it is that that's also another problem too i i think nick Fuentes is dangerous but we're also making him dangerous by not you know just just even on tv like when we talk about him it shouldn't be he's such a threat should be he's a fucking little bitch mm-hmm he can't keep a friend either he can't keep an ally so yes he does have these followers these soldiers and minions but also yeah this movement is scary and it's a problem but also he keeps always sabotaging himself even the thing with uh ham seen eason ralph is pretty much a complete war against him kind of on, on twitter leaking his shit well that uh-huh. kind of stuff and i'm just like okay now they're just fighting all between each other but again in my mind i'm thinking like okay so eason ralph is managing to get with leaked things pretty much 
and he's been fighting with them for a while. But and hate organizations, car. Yeah, what the heck is going on? Yeah, seriously, it's like this isn't hard. Tracking down this kind of stuff is not hard. Tracking down what his new account is called when he gets another one, this is like you could find it in five minutes if you wanted to. So they have research, they have staffs. If they think this is an important way to go about it, it ain't that hard. Yeah, that's a big issue. It's not that hard. And honestly, think like even if there's a small team of 10 people around the yep. clock, pretty much 24 hours a day at different time zones, tracking down these neo-Nazis pretty much, many of them we should count as well, just being in their telegram. It'd be effective. We'll be able to like, stop this stuff. But it's kind of like you need to keep this constantly going. You don't need to be like... Only safe example being like, Elon Musk, please, please pay attention to me. It's like, Elon Musk doesn't care. Right. He, he's awful. He doesn't care. So now we have to take it into our own hands pretty much and try and just fix everything or reduce it. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Just the policy thing, it will never change in America. No matter how many Holocaust education laws we pass, it will never stop dividing Nazis because of the whole American thing on you're allowed to be a Nazi kind of thing because Florida is just the prime example. And if people haven't realized it at this point, I mean, that's why I don't think that they're fit to lead. I don't anymore. Because there's a great TV show came out by Sarah Salemi uh, on the BBC. It's called Ridley Road. Okay. Four-episode TV show. It's about the anti-fascist Jews in the 60s against the neo-Nazis. And it shows how they had to infiltrate them because, you know, the government wasn't doing anything, kind of managing to expose them, this and that. It really shows, it gives kind of blueprint of how this thing needs to be fought. It does. Like, you can't, these people are fighting like in a different way. They're fighting dirty, they are. You just can't continue in statements. You actually have to be in on that. Infiltrate yeah. them. Super bloody easy. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know multiple anti-fascists who are like, actually within groups, all those things. Like, it's, it's easy. Yeah. It's not hard. It's just time consuming is the key word. Yeah. Yeah. So we've seen some of the hate and the, the vitriol that you receive for the work that you do. How do you stay positive and keep going with, with this subject matter on your mind all the time? I, I think I don't have a choice. I literally do think um, coming from Europe, I think America doesn't treat the Nazi threat enough i don't and i don't think anyone's treating this properly enough so it's kind of like i don't really have a choice much and i think i've just become used to it now so it's like if someone sends me go back to outswitch i'm just like oh, okay you know, kind of move on uh kind of thing but i can't think about other people who can't kind of handle this and that's kind of what that's why i want the adl to be better because this could have probably pushed some person to suicide right it could have I don't give a shit. I fucking see points in person or punch him in the face. But this is why I actually want, I'm speaking out and why I think needs to be real change because when I think the country is in danger and I think it's going, it's affecting more just Jewish people. It is minorities, uh, leftists, like, you know, any, any, I mean, just even that shopkeeper and we're not taking this seriously enough, but it needs to be a cultural change. It needs to appeal to the hearts and minds of people. Because even if you look at it, it does work. I mean, now we do have even majority of Republicans who agree on gay marriage. So it is possible to make progress. It really is. But we just have to kind of try things differently. Stop the culture wars. Stop things like that. Stop like us just constantly fighting, getting more and more divided. Because since we're so divided, we're not listening to each other anymore. We're just getting kind of balling up and even if you look at if you look at europe europe had the choice back then between the far left or the far right they chose the far right the far right always wins that's why i'm just like we don't fight the far right by being utterly insane uh, like super far left and insane we fight them by trying to actually convert people not saying it's convert people trying to make people understand where this is heading and why we can't head towards this and we need to Calm things down. Yeah. We do. And I don't think the issue is that our politicians just want the votes. Our politicians just want the votes. And the head of anti-hate organizations just want to be on TV. <laughs> and the people just, again, doing the work, like the great researchers at the ADL, they're just powerless. 
there. Right. So I, that's why I believe more in a democracy, pretty much. I, I do think there's too much of a monopoly within anti-hate organizations. I think it needs to be broken down. Smaller groups for each state who can actually do the work. They right. can. And I think bringing in younger people, uh, very much. Because even within lots of Holocaust organizations, I know there's a lot of anti-fascists who join because they just kind of like, they want to stop kind of Nazi spread. The answer in Jewish is just like, I see it happening. I need to manage to find ways to, for it, you know, to try and reduce this. So people want to do these things. Leaders on boards need to rethink everything and just change and let the young people lead. Because yeah. again, how this point is like 24, we're dealing with a fucking, yeah. we're dealing with a child we are, who's just outsmarting all of us. Cause he just, he understands that, that space he does. Like, we can't be sending 50 year olds after him. <laughs> we <laughs> can't. <laughs> Luke, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell us how people can find you online and where they can go to support the important work you're doing? Yeah. I mean, they can find me on Twitter, Luke Bernabitz, L-U-C, so the French version. Right. How do you see them, Bernard? Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us and talk about this today. I mean, it's been great meeting you, the the interesting people you meet on Twitter and the course of all of this kind of stuff. I know, right? Really yeah. looking forward to getting a chance to play your game and check out how this works. Again, thank you so much. We appreciate your time and you have a great rest of your evening, okay? Thank you. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Lee. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can find us on the web at didnothingwrongpod.com. Please make sure you subscribe to get our content straight into your inbox. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word for, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza BJJ, G-R-Z-A-B-J-J, as well as DNW Pod. We're extremely grateful for paid subscriptions and donations that allow us to keep doing this important work. Thanks, and remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong.